You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. We're back with another riveting edition of the Masters of Brandmasters series, recorded on-site at the 2023 ANA Brandmasters Conference in Bonita Springs, Florida. My guest today is Jill Cress, Chief Marketing and Experience Officer at H&R Block. Jill explained how the brand is overcoming what she calls a crisis of relevancy through its Fair Shot campaign, which seeks to help college athletes navigate the name, image, and likeness opportunities that have recently been presented to them. By connecting its purpose to its marketing, H&R Block became relevant to a new generation of customers, whether they were athletes or not. Find out how now. Everybody, we are here in the Marketing Futures Podcast Studio, remote from Bonita Springs, Florida, at the ANA Brand Masters Conference. And I have a very special guest today, Jill Kress, Chief Marketing and Experience Officer at H&R Block. Jill, thank you so, so much for being a guest on the pod. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun, and I, I want to jump right in because you just are fresh off the stage of Brand Masters and brought a really incredible story that I want to dive into. But before we do that, let's do a little level setting with our listeners. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to becoming the Chief Marketing and Experience Officer at H&R Block. Would love to tell you a little bit about my journey to H&R Block. I have spent my life working on brands that are doing important jobs for people. I started my career in banking, which was not the path that I wanted to pursue. I actually studied marketing at the Kelly School of Business. I'm a Chicago native, so went to Indiana University, which was close by, and I thought I would be an ad woman. I wanted to write copy. I have absolutely no copywriting skills. Just ask anyone who's who's worked with me. What I am is a, a great strategist and I think someone who can articulate problem statements and collaborate to do great work to tell those stories through crisp value prop articulations. And my journey to that was really through banking, which I wasn't super excited about. I graduated in one of the previous recessions. Mm-hmm. All the great marketing jobs had been cut and I needed a job, so I started in banking. And I had the good fortune in the bank that I worked at to launch a couple of MasterCard products there. I was in a commercial banking rotation and I was learning cash management and commercial lending. And I saw an opportunity where the head of marketing was going on maternity leave and we were about to launch a debit card with MasterCard. And I asked, could I do that project while she was out? And you know, it's decisions like that that are often really fortuitous. I ended up working with the good people at MasterCard and I thought, oh my gosh, it would be a dream job to one day work for them. I thought I would have to do a series of things like maybe go work for, at the time there were ATM networks or a bigger bank, Uh, but I ended up going to MasterCard and I had a long and rewarding 22 year career there. And that is where I really started to hone my storytelling skills. I was in sales for a long time. I was in strategy. I ultimately officially landed in marketing and got my dream job after a series of zigs and zags and was running global B2B marketing and ultimately ran consumer marketing there. And 
I go back to where I started, what kept me there for 22 years was the good work that we were doing and fueling economies around the world, working on innovation to connect buyers and sellers in new ways. And it was a company that changed and transformed. It was a not-for-profit and then for-profit, and then it's IPO and kind of the big tech company that it is today. And so I had this incredible opportunity to, to hone my commercial skills and work for a company that I, that I really believed in. And I loved marketing and I loved telling brand stories. And I didn't want to leave, but I got a call from National Geographic. And it was a really interesting transformation opportunity. That'll be something that you'll hear in my journey. I love companies that are in transformation. National Geographic had entered into a joint venture between the original not-for-profit National Geographic Society and 21st Century Fox. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, the Murdoch's meet purpose, and it was a really interesting experience. The growth ambition was really aggressive, and we worked with great people across the not-for-profit and the Fox Enterprise and those of us who were in the joint venture to really innovate around storytelling, content, formats, digital. It was when I joined the most followed brand on Instagram when I left we had realized over 100 million followers. We were turning some of that legacy, great long form content into snackable content that we could use across social platforms. And it was really interesting for me as a marketer to be on the other side of the table and working for a media company. It was an interesting role because we had to both market our products, mm -hmm. content, subscriptions, building a direct-to-consumer business, our travel business, our, our television content, films. I had the incredible great pleasure of working on the marketing for Free Solo, which was the story of crazy. Um, Alex Honnold's yeah, <laughs> Free Solo That's climb awesome. up El Capitan. Mm -hmm. So I had to both market and buy media to promote our products, but we were also selling media. And so it was really interesting for me to be on the other side and working with people like me in my role previously at MasterCard or now in my role at H&R Block or when I was at PayPal and creating collaborations and partnerships. So anyway, I loved it, but ultimately I was drawn back to payments. I had an incredible learning experience at National Geographic. We were acquired by Disney and I had the opportunity to join PayPal before the pandemic. and they were in a moment of wanting to reposition its brand as they were evolving from a mobile wallet to doing other jobs for consumers and had an incredible experience at PayPal, which is another really purpose-led company. That's kind of the, the red thread, you know, MasterCard, although very commercial, very purpose-driven, National Geographic working for a brand that cares so deeply Absolutely. about protecting the planet, PayPal, which very much lives by its belief in democratizing financial services. And then I got this call for H&R Block and I, you know, I do have to say the recruiter who called me who had placed me at National Geographic, when he called, I said, gosh, you know, I don't know, taxes and Kansas City. I'm a Chicago native, so you know, I do like a good Midwestern city. And I hadn't been to Kansas City in years and we can talk about that later. I've absolutely fallen in love with it. That's awesome. But I wasn't sure it was going to be the right role. And then I met my boss, who's the CEO, who's been there for about five years now, Jeff Jones. Jeff is a really ambitious, supportive, customer-centric, experience-oriented CEO. And after I spent some time with him, our first conversation was, was just to get to know you. We didn't talk about my background or, or skills. It was really, I think he called it like a chemistry check. 
And I was so inspired by his background. Jeff Jones was the chief marketing and experience officer at Target. Oh, wow. Kind of classically trained CPG, worked at Coca-Cola, started his career at Leo Burnett. And so it was really from the, from the jump, an opportunity to connect with a CEO who not only understood, but appreciated the role of brand, the role of customer, the role of experience and design thinking, which is exciting for me because my role is both chief marketing and experience officer. And I was inspired by what he wanted to do. And again, that transformation, and it's another purpose-led company. It's a founder-led company. It was founded by two brothers in 1955, Henry and Richard Block. Um, we talk about the importance of cherishing our legacy while we, we change for the future, that kind of tension of, of cherish and change. Uh, and, and our purpose is to provide help and inspire confidence. And it was a perfect opportunity to take my passion for financial services and people's relationship with money, the work I had done on content at National Geographic and creating and partnering to make great content with brands. And then what I ultimately learned at PayPal was, which was the power of hardcore performance marketing on really an unprecedented scale. So the H&R Block opportunity was really the culmination of love of brands, love of financial services, a brand that stands for something and does real jobs for customers, the ability to drive growth and be a part of what I think is going to be a big transformation story. That's awesome. That is awesome. And I can't imagine a better scenario for a CMO than having working with a CEO who's literally filled the shoes and knows it on a eye level. I just, I can see why that was uh, just too good to pass up even before you fell in love with Kansas City. Um, so as we said, you are literally stepping off the stage maybe an hour ago where you're telling the story of H&R Block overcoming what you call a crisis of relevancy. Could you explain to our listeners what you mean by that? H&R Block, as I said, is a really well-established brand in America. Our origin story dates back to 1955. We have incredible levels of awareness and trust. People understand functionally what we do. Our loyal customers love the brand. They love the relationship that they have with the human beings that provide the expertise and care around their tax experience. The crisis of relevancy comes in as we think about where does growth come from mm -hmm. and how do we disrupt ourselves? So awareness is there, but as I shared on the stage, which by the way, the ANA always has such a a great audience. I loved the interaction from the folks who were there. But as I, as I shared, you know, I think awareness is around what you do, the products you sell, the functional solutions and services that we offer to our clients and prospects. Brand relevancy is around why people should care. Mm -hmm. And our existing clients have that, but we need to appeal to a new audience. We need to attract a younger audience who can have a relationship with us through the years. And we needed to find our way back into, into culture and get people to think differently about us. So our awareness is oriented around the place where we're the market share leader with really highly satisfied customers, which is 
in the tax world, if we're going to talk tax for a second, we talk about those as assisted filing customers. These are people who want some assistance, reassurance. Um, they want that help and confidence and expertise and care that we bring to that tax moment. H&R Block has 10,000 retail locations across the U.S., which is pretty significant. I was going to say. In season, we have over 60,000 associates who support our customers to give them that expertise and care and, and do those tax returns for them. At the same time, we also have incredible digital solutions. There's a whole cohort of customers out there we know through research that feel like no one will take their taxes more seriously than themselves. And they really don't trust that anyone else is going to dig and find every last credit deduction to maximize their refund. So this is an empowered tax filer who really just wants the tool and the platform, a great product experience to do their own taxes. There are also many Americans who, while they would like to have professional assistance, that comes at a cost. And so Absolutely. they're looking for cheaper online tools. And so the relevancy was in ensuring that we not only could sustain what was kind of our legacy experience, but that we started to disrupt how the American taxpayer thought about H&R Block for those digital online solutions. And so it's, you know, getting people to, to think about our brand in a different way, bringing our our purpose to life in new ways, which we can talk about, but also having products and solutions that are right for those consumers. It's an interesting market because everyone's a potential client. Right. There are, yes. There are 150 million, roughly, give or take every tax year. More people filed during COVID because of the stimulus opportunity. But you know, you essentially have a total addressable market of about 150 million humans in the U.S. that have to file their taxes. And mm -hmm. so you know, you've got a large addressable market and everyone's already using someone. And so we need to work really hard to retain our clients. We need to get people to switch from independent tax pros where they want that assisted solution. We need to drive growth into our online experience. And we want to do that by getting people to switch from our competition, but by also being a brand that stands for the things that matter to a, a younger audience. And so we were really relentlessly focused on, on Gen Z this year with good momentum. So that's how I'm thinking about this crisis of relevancy, which is we need to be right for people who want digital experiences and for a younger audience, and they need to know why they should care about us. The Certified ANA Marketing Professional, or CAMP, program is a rigorous 35-hour online certification program developed specifically with the ANA marketer in mind. Covering the entire marketing process from brand strategy and activation to marketing implementation across digital and analytic platforms, CAMP represents the full spectrum of the marketing universe. To begin your certification, go to ANA.net slash CAMP future. Very well said. And I think that being in those two pulling directions of, you know, you've got this foundation that you, you cannot disrespect, you cannot overlook, but you know that that kind of foundational relationship needs to be very different from this new uh, crop of potential customers. And one way that a brand can kind of keep itself on the straight and narrow is 
focusing on its purpose. But when you joined H&R Block, you noticed something a little peculiar about the brand purpose statement as it stood, that it didn't mention tax preparation anywhere. So can you explain why it's so vital? And it's, I understand the thought behind that because purpose needs to go beyond business, but why is it so crucial that purpose must also include the business as well? I shared earlier that our purpose is to provide help and inspire confidence in our customers and in our communities. Mm -hmm. We did that originally through the tax moment, through our founders, looking across the market and saying, gosh, you know, taxes are complex. They're intimidating. People don't feel empowered or confident. And in that, in that purpose, which has evolved slightly, but is essentially very close to our origin, it was about that help and confidence and working to, to help people feel more empowered and really empathizing with the American customer about the complexity of taxes, understanding the IRS code, and doing that in a community-based way, which meant that you know we started in Kansas City, we expanded, we had a franchise model, we were always very much about understanding the local customer, and while we wanted to do their taxes, we invested in, in their community, and we still have a purpose-led platform which is called Make Every Block Better. We show up in our communities, we work with Habitat for Humanity and other local organizations. We do a lot in providing food for those who are you know, food scarce. Uh, we align with what matters kind of at the community level. And, and that allows us to think beyond that tax moment to understand, well, beyond taxes, how can we be helpful? How can we inspire confidence? And you know, back to kind of at the intersection of purpose and, and relevancy, we aspire to and are doing more jobs for more consumers so that we can be an always on brand. Mm -hmm. And that, that idea of help and confidence allows us to think about extending into other things like bookkeeping and payroll for small businesses and a really ambitious launch into financial services to provide a mobile banking app, which is for our customers that helps them avoid some of the things that are pain points for them, which are you know high cost banking fees. So we've got Spruce, which is our mobile banking app and, and debit card. And so it inspires us to move beyond the seasonal business that we were in and do those things for our customers while also serving as the foundation for some bigger purpose-led platforms like, like make, make Every Block Better and another one that we just launched which I think we, I think it's the perfect time to discuss that um, because this is a perfect crystallization of going beyond that tax moment in a way that's really relevant, in a way that's not just like, well, this is close enough, we're gonna shuffle over here, but it really ties in. And what we're both talking about right now is a fair shot. And I would love it if you could tell our listeners how a fair shot came to be and how H&R Block's marketing supports this initiative. Last year, the NCAA changed their rules and allowed student athletes to earn sponsorship dollars for their name, image, and likeness. And again, connecting to our purpose to provide help and inspire confidence, we realized this as a real opportunity for us to help this new cohort of earners who were going to have tax implications as a result of that. And we felt fairly certain wouldn't be well equipped to understand what they needed to withhold, 
what were some of the implications around you know, state and federal filing, how they would, you know, essentially we had a whole generation of student athletes who became influencers overnight and, and then could you know, monetize their income. So we felt like we had a responsibility and almost an obligation to say, let's help these students and do what we, we do, which is to help them with tax literacy, financial literacy, help them be prepared as they become taxpayers. And through that work, we discovered an inequity, which was that female athletes were only getting 23% of the available sponsorship dollars. And so we pivoted from just supporting these athletes and providing tax services to them to creating a purpose-led platform, which we call a fair shot. And the strategic orientation to that is that these female athletes deserve a fair shot. We shared a, an emotional sizzle reel in the session, which talked about what if they only got you know 23% of a, a point that they scored, 23% of every shot that they took. Mm. They're working just as hard as their male counterparts and should have a platform for a fair shot. So we launched last year. We sponsored a handful of Division I athletes. And what was really rewarding about that was we wanted to create a platform to have conversation around the topic. And I go back to what I shared earlier on the crisis of relevancy and winning with a younger audience. And you know, by being true to our purpose, bringing our product and our solutions, by providing tax prep to these women who we were sponsoring, but also sponsoring them and telling their story and telling the story of a fair shot, we had huge wins with Gen Z and college students. Our trust ratings were up close to 11%. Our favorability among college students was up 23%. We had a halo into their parents who felt differently about our brand. And so it was a great affirmation of, you know, when you, you do what matters to you and you do it in a way that matters to the people that you want to build relationships with, that it works. You know, all of us as consumers, whether we're in college, just out of college, you know, whatever life stage you're in, consumers are generally choosing brands that align with their values and young people even more. And so this just really resonated and we wanted to do it again. So we're at it with a fair shot too, and we have expanded it. I'm really excited to be sponsoring over 50 female athletes. We've moved beyond division one schools. We have uh, students from division one, two, three schools historically black college and universities. And we've expanded the types of sports that we're sponsoring. You know, we started last year with basketball and softball, and now we're trying to represent the, the breadth of sports that female athletes commit and give their heart to, from you know, rowing to tennis to field hockey, uh, to really shine a light on the work that they're doing and the opportunity that they deserve to get a fair shot. I just, I love it and I'm very happy to hear that it's expanding, uh, makes a ton of sense. And again, when you have that crystallized purpose, the next step's not that hard. You know, reaching down to two and three and giving that like shine where people might not necessarily organically get it, it all just makes perfect sense. And that's what needs to be, I think, at the heart of any really successful activation, so. Yeah, we're, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. I think it, it really is so nicely aligned and just really core to, to who we are. And, you know, there's, there have been some other nice benefits of, of this as well. I'm sure you talk to lots of 
marketers who talk about lots of social platforms, and we all know to reach Gen Z, we, we must be on TikTok. Absolutely. And we're experimenting like crazy. We've done a couple of TikTok challenges with this program. And last I checked, I think our TikTok challenge, which was our student athletes telling the stories of other women in their lives who have inspired them, we were in excess of 150 million impressions. Just really getting that you know, organic lift out of this content, because it matters to people. And it's just, again, goes back to what you were, what you were sharing, which is you know, when, you, you, when you do things that people care about, you get them on the right platform, the audiences will engage in real, authentic ways. Yes, ex extremely well said. So this is kind of a more general discussion. I know that you, I believe over the path of the pandemic, were at two different companies. I think at the, toward the beginning it was PayPal and then kind of at some point had this conversation that, that began this next step of the journey. So just as a, a marketer, as a person, what was, what was a powerful lesson that you learned during all of the swirling chaos of the pandemic? One of the things that I observed was there was a democratization of access to different kinds of thinking as a result of not being in an office where you were proximate to those whose ideas you might be prone to like or that you always relied on. Mm, mm. And I started to talk about what was something that I was seeing in myself, which might have been maybe a proximity bias because when you're in the office and you're around a certain part of your team, it's really easy to just, you know, pop out and ask someone, you know, what would you think, what would you do? And I'm, I'm a very, very curious person. I really love the opportunity to engage with humans in, in real life. One of the most rewarding parts about my career at MasterCard was the opportunity to work with our really talented marketers from around the world. Mm -hmm. I traveled a ton. I spent a lot of time. I lived in the UK and in Brussels. I spent a lot of time in Brazil working on our priceless platform there. And so I would go really deep in my previous work and being present with people and sitting in rooms and working with agencies, which was very rewarding and unlocked some really great ideas. But the access to ideas and new thinking is limited to those people that are in the room. And I just, I joined PayPal in November of 2019. I was actually in Europe. I was in Berlin oh, meeting with no. our, our team in Germany. I'd been in France and then I was in Berlin and things were really bubbling up. And I can remember saying to a colleague of mine, I think we need to get back to the US. People are starting to get, you know, isolated in hotel rooms and that doesn't sound like fun. And I was so glad I did that because I did have a little tiny bit of relationship equity with the team that was working with me in Europe and was able to, through COVID, organize them in, in ways where I don't know that we would have done that, where we'd bring people cross-functionally from different parts of the world into tons and tons of Teams calls. And so... You know, whereas before you kind of would go to a place, you'd zoom in, you'd have conversations either locally or you'd bring people who are doing similar roles together. So I love outside in, in thinking. 
we talked about that this morning. I think being comfortable with being uncomfortable, being open to disrupting your brand, being open to how you think about doing things in new ways is a really important part of what we do as leaders and as marketers. And for me, like that was the positive experience that I had during COVID, which was, you know, breaking down those barriers of travel and putting people within close proximity, whether it was just how I was used to working or how maybe it was, you know, more convenient to do things. We got we got people to learn, we got them to collaborate in new ways, and, and that was great. That's so cool. I just, I love it because I had never even considered physical proximity bias as a thing, especially when you've got a handful of great people in reach, if you're always getting a great answer back, you don't think of like, well, what else it can exist around there? What other things? And that actually leads me right into my next question. And I, you shared a lot about this, but I guess uh, I still want to ask it because I think that especially from your experience traveling so much and meeting, meeting so many different people, I think it's a very valuable um, POV to have on this podcast. So this is a question we ask all of our guests. It's open-ended by design. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? I love the focus and the opportunity to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion of all kinds. I feel pretty fortunate in that some of the diversity that I represented was always welcomed. And so I kind of took that for granted. And I go mm. back to, you know, I talk a lot about MasterCard because I was there for so long. It shaped me not only as an executive, but as a human. And I grew up as a young, confident, female, aspiring executive with big ideas and big opinions. And it was a place that really fostered that. And I always felt like I had a seat at the table and an opportunity to, to grow and contribute. The bigger thing that I learned in working for a global company and having the opportunity to work on global projects and to live in other places in the world was that diversity is as much about your diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it kind of ties back to this proximity bias. And one of the things that I so appreciate are other people's ideas. I'm super curious. And I think for us as leaders and marketers, the ideas that we bring are shaped by our experience in the world, the consumers that we understand. And so working on complex problems or complex solutions requires diversity of thinking. We're raised differently. We have different sets of values depending on where we come from in the world. And so working in marketing, which is about telling stories, which is about connecting with audiences, diversity of thinking and being open to new ideas was something that I have always really valued. And it's just something that I just kind of crave. And so it applies to how I think about the role of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, which is I'm inherently open. I feel like I was fortunate. My grandparents were immigrants. They came from Poland and, and Croatia and, and worked really, really hard to ensure that we would have a seat at the table. Um, I know it wasn't easy for them, but it was easier for them than many. And so I think that empathy, the positive experiences I've had, that curiosity I have for other people makes me an advocate for 
diversity, equity, and inclusion at H&R Block, which we, we focus a lot on because it's just an, it's, it's something I, I care about based on, on my experiences. So we have, we have an awesome, amazing head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at H&R Block. She is a total fighter and passionate leader on this topic, a, a fellow Chicagoan. Um, and I love, to, I love to spend time with her. I love to energize and motivate her, um, you know, remind the organization that we see all the, all the hard work that, that she's doing to, to deliver against our ambitions, which um, are to continue to treat this topic really seriously. Love that. And I love that you mentioned a characteristic that doesn't get mentioned a lot in this conversation, and that's curiosity and how valuable that can be just in a lot of different ways. People don't necessarily think of that as a, a skill or a strength, and I really do absolutely think it is. So extremely well said. Thank you very much. Before we get to the tough questions, and they're coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if people want to know more about A Fair Shot and H&R Block and yourself, uh, where, where, where can they go to keep in touch? You can find me on LinkedIn. I've become much more active on LinkedIn. I'm so excited about what's happening at H&R Block. My friends will often say to me, gosh, there's a lot of green. That's our, that's our color. A lot of green on your LinkedIn. You're out there a lot. And it's because I'm genuinely really psyched and jazzed about what's happening. And I, I share a lot out there. And so you can follow me. You can connect with me. We're pretty active across H&R Block. And we've got lots of content um, out there about lots of things, including a fair shot. Love it. Well, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. So I think that that's completely understandable. All right, Jill, you've been crushing it thus far. But, you know, not for everybody, but sometimes this is the hardest part of the interview. So let's see how it all shakes out. Jill Kress, Chief Marketing and Experience Officer at H&R Block. What is your favorite album of all time and why? So, um, gosh, I love music of all kinds. I am a former song and dance gal. I did lots of musical productions oh, very cool. when I was younger and my parents took me to see Pippin and then my dad bought me the Pippin album and it has recently, well, a couple of years ago, it was brought back to Broadway and I introduced my daughter to it. My daughter ended up producing a college production of Pippin wow. when she was at Northwestern last year. And so I can get into some real Pippin jam sessions that um, maybe are annoying to others around me, but I know every word to every song. And actually, I just my husband just got tickets for my birthday. We went to a cabaret show mm -hmm. at Studio 54 where the original, many of the original cast of Pippin came to recreate the beautiful, wonderful songs of Pippin. That's amazing. And I'm actually a, a huge fan of uh, the show Pippin. Um, I rem remember I saw it first time in Asbury Park in a kind of uh, former church. And they just kind of use the different levels and everything. Extremely uh, powerful interpretation of it. But that is an awesome, awesome answer. And let's finish it up by bringing it up to uh, the current day. Are you listening to anything now, be it a song, artist, podcast, maybe a book? What's getting you excited nowadays? 
I'm absolutely continuing to love and devour Smartless, mm. which is such a fun format between the incredibly talented Sean Hayes, who I just met last week and awesome. was a top life moment, Will Arnett and Jason Bateman. And I just love the topics that they cover. And you can find me very often in transit catching up on the latest episode of Smartless. There you have it, listeners. You've got your uh, recommendation of the week. Jill, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so, so much for being a guest on the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us next week when the Masters of Brand Masters continues as we talk to the Fresh Markets' Kevin Miller about one of the all-time great brand transformations. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the podcast, shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, find what you need to future-proof your brand at ana.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.